call you down at the precinct <laughs> i don't know <laughs> old, old live wire moreno oh yeah old thunderbolt completes the circuit yep sure <laughs> sure man if that's what you want your catchphrase to be lights this place up i mean let's not push it let's keep it kind of factually accurate well, shut up I, I guess you don't really complete circuits either no i mean but, technically i do if i touch two Two sources? That's fair. I mean, you could. I'm not trying to take that away from you, that you can't conduct electricity with your human body, but Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't. No, it's been very unpleasant at the times that it's happened. Oh, I bet. I, uh... I think the worst that I've ever gotten it was just an electric fence, but I was trying to crawl under it and I caught it right on the spine somehow, like right on my vertebrae. It just dropped me to the ground immediately. It, it happens. I used to work on a crew that would replace ballasts on um, fluorescent lights. And um, when you're the new person, they have a joke that they do. Hey, is your- squeeze your titties together. No, no. The, well, that too, but that's after work. But while the job Look is... Look me doing, in the eye while you do it. But shut up. I'm oddly aroused. Anyway, what they'll do is they'll say, Hey, James, are you in a conductive ladder? Or does your ladder conduct electricity? And I'm like, what the... F- zip? And they'd zip you off the ladder. Pop! And you'd fly about a foot off that motherfucker. Oh, eat my ass. Yeah. But then again, I would tell people about like kitchen pranks that we used to do. And they would say, oh, well, fuck all that. Like, oh, well, that's just life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you use the uh, indent in the tongs to get a little bit of fryer oil and just kind of flick your buddy on the back of the neck. Oh, yeah. F- the fuck a bunch of all that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, those good old fun fun kitchen tricks. My favorite, my favorite though, is the server trick. It's, it doesn't hurt them, but tell them that they have to get all the hot water out of the coffee urn so it doesn't overheat over at night. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. About five gallon, two five-gallon buckets in. Somebody finally goes and tells them. And I also need a left-handed spatula. Good luck. Those are hard to find. I know. Uh, I used to work at a Buffalo Wild Wings that was right next to an Olive Garden. Oh, Jesus. And we got one of our hosts to quickly run over to Olive Garden because we needed a bag of steam. Oh, we... I said that, that's for always a cup of steam. A, that's always a good one too. Mm-hmm. If you want to be a real shitbag to people, we had uh, one server was convinced that they, they said that their crab legs were cold, and I said, "Well, we run to the kitchen. I've got, I got a fifth pan of steam here. Okay, bring it to the table and throw the crab legs in." And I handed them the pan, and they were on their way to the dining room to heat the crab legs with a fucking pot of steam. Mm-hmm. The manager, I had to get the man. Yo, stop them now! Yeah, what? I, stop them! I I was doing a goof, <laughs> and uh, they're going to look like an a hole. I expected to get told to fuck right the hell off, and as funny as it is here, it's not going to be funny in the dining room. No, I mean uh. especially when they're trying to just eat their crab legs, and there's some pimple faced kid just standing next to them with a pan who's trying to take it out of their hands and put it into said pan. Mm-hmm. It, it was a college town, and I think the server was about 14. Oh, good goodness. Oh, yeah. The baby server's in that town. Mm. Just going to town on your crab legs. <laughs> I gotta take those back. <laughs> I've got a pot of steam here for you. We'll warm these right up for you. <laughs> the fuck out of here. (laughs) 
Try to crack my goddamn crab legs. <laughs> uh, I guess, speaking of cracking legs, hey everybody, welcome to Horror Vomit, where we talk about horror movies so you don't have to. My <coughs> name is Chris Faff, and I'm one of your hosts. And I am James Marino, I'm the other one of your hosts. And this week... Mm-hmm. Oh man, I tried to really uh, rev it up. Rev oh, you, the engine. You gotta revved the it. fuck out of it, Gotta buddy. get it vroom vroom. Vroom vroom! Uh, we were talking about... Husera, the Bone Woman, from 2022, written by Abby Casillo and Michelle Garza Cervera, also directed by Michelle Garza Cervera, starring Natalia Solian as Valeria, Alfonso Dosal as Raul, and Myra Batala as Octavia. Mm-hmm. So, would you mind if I went, James? Go, 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 baby. <clears throat> so, I chose this for a very specific reason. Uh, I had kind of seen some of this before and knew that it was about a young, pregnant Mexican woman. Mm-hmm. I am none of those things. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, I thought this would be a good exercise to watch a film that I absolutely couldn't never like directly relate to mm-hmm. in my own personal life. And I gotta say, I think it's fine, Mm. but this and uh, a few other films in this genre of a a pregnant woman afraid of, you know, her body, her pregnancy, a a whole thing going on. Like, I understand it, but it falls victim to the same thing as like your Slayers and Exoduses and your Panteras that, yeah, you're pretty good metal bands. But it just sucks that Judas Priest did it first, because you'll never be the best. And I kind of feel that way about Rosemary's Baby. Mm. Because, I mean, while there's not, like, uh, thematically, it's not exactly the same. But, I mean, the overall, you know, pregnant woman going through this event, unsure of her pregnancy, unsure of her own body. uh, There's a connection there. And for my money, like, as much as I don't want to discuss a fucking rapist, uh, Rosemary's Baby is Probably one of my favorite movies because it's just it. so fucking good. And the way they filmed it, it's in one one building. Every, I mean, everything about that movie is fucking amazing. So uh, again, I I can't help but draw comparisons, mm. and it, it it just falls flat of being Rosemary's Baby. Well, I'm glad that you chose this movie because uh, it does. You you can't hear it, but I'm very culturally Mexican. I've had family that walked up those stairs to. You know, the Virgin of Guadalupe for miracles in my house. Every time I get in, I'm not even superstitious or religious, but because I've done this my whole life, every time I get a new house, I show you a picture of a candle, mm-hmm. you know, is so to me, the pregnancy and the baby were probably the second or third story that I was recognizing because um, the role of women in Mexican culture, you got to understand too, that my views of the culture are colored by the fact that I was raised by somebody who was raised by very strict Mexican parents from the 50s. Um, and the culture I, I very much veered away from as much as you can. I've always kept my toe in it, obviously. But I went a different direction. And um, so there's, there's a lot of themes in here, especially culturally, that that really ring true. One of the things that I noticed, too, and um, I've noticed about my culture for most of my life is it's very group-minded. And, you know, 
it's like why you think you're better than us why are you showing off you know the the thing is like the blade of, blade of grass that glows tallest gets cut first hey don't draw attention we're we're this is what we are this is how we project things and i i caught myself I even told my son this the other day. I was like, buddy, when you're in public, you represent this entire family. And when they look at you, they think of us. So when you act this way in public, you are bringing that onto the family. You're bringing that into the house. And watching this movie, I'm like, fuck. I'm so indoctrinated. I'm so indoctrinated. And and this was talking about it wasn't just the pregnancy. It was the entire um, subsuming of yourself to please everyone else. Yeah, it, The it's pregnancy your, was part of that. The foundations of who she is. Mm-hmm. The, I think the pregnancy in this milieu just was the final, it was like the, the wrapping, you know, it was like the final bow on the, the present, if you want to call it that. It was the last, that was the last straw that broke the camel's back because her brother died. Her brother was maintaining that role. And in the Mexican family, I'll use my own family for an example. My grandfather was killed um, when my father was very young. Okay? And my uncle took over the family. My uncle never married. My uncle's only duty was to the family. And he gave up his entire life to do that. He assumed that role because he needed to. That's culture, tradition. Um... Growing up, if any of my cousins called me at any time until I got married and asked me to watch a kid, guess what I'm doing? I'm going to watch a fucking kid. You know, it's just, it. you don't even think about it. It's just how it is. You're not asked often, but when you are asked, you don't say no. That's family. You might not like them, but it's family, and that's the culture. Yeah, and we talked about that in, uh, I think it was No One Gets Out of Here Alive. Yes. Where... The woman who's at that really shitty, looks like a halfway house, and calls her uncle. Mm -hmm. And I was questioning, you know, like, well, they don't know these people. And that's when you immediately said, like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. Mm -hmm. That is a must. Even if they can't give her money, you at least give her an audience because she is family. Yes. And a lot of that. So I'm seeing a thousand things and you see the one or two because that's not your culture. So... To me, this movie, again, I had to watch it twice. Because the first time I watched the first 40 minutes and I had to go do something and I watched the rest of it and I'm like, wow. And I had to watch it again because there was so much for me to chew on. Because growing up, if you are, like I'm not, you, you, I'm vaguely, I'm like ethnically, you know, undiscernible. You can't really tell. I could be French, Italian, Spanish, whatever. But traditionally, like in Mexican neighborhoods, everybody kind of looks about the same. We're all about the same height, about the same tone. And there's, there's a certain comfort in there. There's a certain safety in that. There's a certain everything. But you only have two choices. If you're going to buck the system, they allow a little bit. You can be like, you know, you can be like the sucia auntie, you know, the dirty auntie or whatever. There's always one in every family. That's a role. Everybody has a role that they play. And so if you got to, oh, this is a tradition in families. We always got that one fucking auntie that goes out and parties a little too hard. She never went to church, you know, and uh, oh, and oh, my God, all the little folkloric things in there, just a little shit like the brujas, you know, every poor neighborhood's got one. You know, you can't afford to go to, you know, you can't go to the doctor. You go to somebody's tia, you know, and they 
they'll give you whatever. They'll uh-huh. boil shit in there, and if you're sick, they'll hang the shit around your neck, and they'll do spells and the whole shot. And so that all woman that, is fantastic. I love that woman. Every time she was on screen. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh my! And she God. doesn't do much. She no. only shows up a couple times, but she might be one of the most convincing people in the movie. Oh, wait, which one? Because there were so many to me. Because I see so many of people. It's like I know this person. I, I mean, though, talking about the one with the braids or the auntie. Uh, the one with the, I believe, with the braids that yeah, they yeah. take her to to yes, try yes, and yes. fix the spell. And do you, one of the things that I loved about this movie is that everything rang true, like the, like. I don't know if you've ever, well, no, you probably haven't, but um, like an alternative, like Mexican punk band club. It's like that. And even down to the dress, because you can't wear the heavy jackets because it's fucking 90 degrees at yeah. one in the morning. So the outfits are right. The mesh, the chanclas. So just, I don't know if you, you probably weren't even looking for it, but during the, the mosh scenes, people were wearing sandals. And I'm like, fuck yeah, that's authentic as shit. But there's only so many roles you can assume. Like when I was growing up, you could be like a cholo, a, you know, a ganguero, or you could be a rocker. You know what I mean? That's it. Those are the two looks you can go for, or else we're going to thump you up. Why? Because you're looking too different. You know how many times I got my ass whooped for just <laughs> being me? No, oh, I don't. <laughs> well, if you live in a place where being different is punished quickly, <laughs> I, I learned how quickly to not be different, but I am me and I'm incapable of not being different. So I got my ass handed to me a lot. Yeah, and really, I mean, as soon as the punk rock comes into this movie, because it comes screaming in out of nowhere, mm-hmm. and it was such a shock because, again, it turns it into almost a different film when you realize, like, oh, this is her entire background, and this is why she's in this family, or back with her family Mm -hmm. and why they've kind of been making jokes at her the entire time. Because they've been they. But the thing too is, okay, Mexican nicknames. If you want to know, they'll take the one quality about you that you hate the most. And that's your fucking nickname. (laughs) You know how many, you know what, if you ever hear, oh, oh, Gordita, how are you doing? You know, hey, what's up, little fat girl? Jesus. You know, so... (laughs) Or like if you're missing a tooth, right? I'll call you Chimuelo, which means toothless. Hey, orale, Chimuelo, what's up? So whatever it is about you that you're the most sensitive about, that's how they fuck with you. And it's a way of, it's oddly, it's oddly a source of affection. Now some guys get around and they all they do is fucking bust stones. Because they like each other, you know? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing in Mexican families. It, but... They were more pointed. It was not just, hey, you crazy fucking rocker. Ha ha, you know, this and that. Oh, clumsy, whatever. You dropped the kid. Ha ha. They got even more pointed and they were very direct. What happens is in a Mexican insult, I'm either going to be 100% specific on something obvious or I'm just going to make a, you know, if you're a little feminine, I'm going to call you mariposa. I'm just going to, you know, but it. But they were saying things that were very pointed and not funny. And I was just like, I felt that in the deepest part of me. I'm like, because I've been on the end of that. You know what I mean? I've been on the receiving end of that. And I saw it. They played it perfect. Just, you know, it's the usual douchebaggery, but then the jabs on the side. And, And that was a dynamic that they... Everything, all the little weird pieces, like the little home pieces, the interpersonal relationships, all these things, 
were played so well from a cultural standpoint that I'm used to seeing. And I think that's one of the reasons I love this movie because it hits me and all the parts that I've forgotten, you know, it just kind of rebut. I, you know, I knew, I knew Octavia, you know, I know 12 girls just like her. Oh God. I loved Octavia. Yeah. But She's I'm, the best. But, you know, like, remember when we were first, like, introduced to the auntie's friends? Yeah. I, I have waited on that table. <laughs> oh, just a bunch of drunken old women? Drunken old Mexican women who found out I'm Mexican. <laughs> and it was an interesting night. <laughs> so, but, but I'm just saying, it's just a, the, the crazy aunties. But those are usually the brujas. Those are the ones that they never got married. Hmm. They uh, always hang out with their, their lady friends and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But they're the ones with the medicine. They're the ones that care what nobody else does. They're the ones that don't care how crazy you are. You notice that no matter how out of bounds culturally or societally um, she got, Vela got, right? No matter how auntie was always there to hold her. Yep. To say it's okay. Because she understands that being different is the worst thing you could be in that culture. Oh, yeah, because they insult her right to her face mm-hmm. while they're preparing the chicken, which, again, that is one of the first times that I noticed the sound design in this film because the sound design is crazy fucking good in this movie. And did you notice? No incidental music. I didn't really notice the music. All I could hear, yeah, is every time that there was either background noise that was filling her head, mm-hmm. like... Or bones cracking. Mm-hmm. Like when they start ripping that chicken apart immediately. Cause the first time I watched it, I was just kind of like laying back, relaxing, just taking it in because the beginning's kind of slow. It's setting character, everything that you need to do. Perfect. Fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. And as soon as they started ripping that chicken apart was when I perked. I was like, Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> there was a, there was a scene in this movie where she's in bed and then she starts hearing the noises and all the, every single solitary noise that could possibly be made. And for a moment, because it is so close to a feeling I get regularly, I cannot like all noises equal the same to me, whether you're talking to me or somebody's tapping on the wall while you're talking to me, my brain doesn't differentiate between those two noises. So I'm hearing everything And if I'm focusing only on that one, so I thought I was disassociating because they represented it so well. That is one thing that what I was getting to is the sequence where she is watching her sister's kids. Yes. And I thought I was losing my mind because she is talking on the phone while kids are yelling, while a TV is blaring. And it, the sound design is set so perfectly that I kind of almost immediately thought like, this is what every ADHD person that I know is happening to them constantly. Yes. Because it was every noise that could be happening in that room. And it was driving me absolutely nuts. And that's the point. It was done so well that the sound design made me think I was going crazy. That's one of the reasons I had to watch this movie three times because a lot of it, mimicked my alphabet soup it mimicked my adhd it mimicked my spectrum disorder it mimicked a lot of the things and again one of the things that um is very significant about the the specific mix that i have is that i've always felt like an outsider but i thought it was because i was mixed i thought 
well, Mexicans don't kind of like me because I'm too white and white people because I'm too Mexican. I'm too urban. And now I'm in the suburbs. You know, I'm too smart. I'm too dumb. No, I'm fucking on a spectrum and I'm always an outsider. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it really, really encompassed that. And I know I'm reading that into this movie. However, some of it is too close to the bone to be an accident, if you feel me. So, uh, yes, and that's kind of what I wanted to transition into because that's really kind of where, like, the themes pick up. Because they show her back when she is a teenager, short blonde hair, punk rock, and just living the lifestyle, out drinking underneath the streetlights. Oh, God, I, I have and, never wanted to do fucking heroin more than I did during those scenes. <laughs> I'm looking at that going, God, I could cook. Fuck. God damn it. And when they were running from the cops, <laughs> and they're smiling and laughing and scared, uh-huh. I'm like, how many times have I been routed out of bridge parties for that kind of shit? Oh, my God. So it, it comes down to her and uh, Octavia form a romantic relationship mm-hmm. as teenage girls, which, again, love that they included it, and it wasn't... It wasn't gratuitous. No. Well, we'll get to that in a second. But... um. She ends up telling Octavia that she has to go back home. Her brother was killed. She's thinking about going to university because she needs to go back. And that's when you start to realize that all of the listlessness that she has shown throughout the entire film is for that reason, because she gave up her own identity for her family, Mm -hmm. for the sake of her family. Well, that's also if you take a look at the concept of masking. In order for me to do this particular podcast, I got a certain mask I wear. You know, it's, it's my podcast mask. Yeah. I got my talking to the wife mask. I got the talking to the guy at the store mask. I've got all these different things. And um, I, I've been slowly unmasking. And during that process, I often look completely listless. And I, I, I read that into that, too, because when I'm not uh, just about everything I do is performative in a certain aspect because I got to think about what I'm going to say or I'm thinking about what I'm going to answer because I'm processing in real time. And I never feel like I'm quite here. So when I unmask and I pull off the thing that I use to make other people comfortable around me, I can look completely zoned out. I can look like I'm not there. But that's then more natural me because I've got a very interior life that I don't often let out. And that's I saw that in this movie. When, when she was listless... Anything that made her comfortable has been stripped away. So she's got nobody to mask for, got nobody to do anything for. She just assumed this role and she doesn't like it, so she goes back and retreats right back internally. And I'm like, fuck, that's me. Mm-hmm. That is fucking me. Right goddamn there. And, and projecting to everyone how supposedly you know happy and how good things are going mm-hmm. and you can tell when you find out her actual inner struggle going back throughout the film thinking about all of the events that had taken place yeah she's absolutely projecting mm-hmm. and sometimes not well mm-hmm. <clears throat> like when her and her husband are being intimate mm-hmm. and she shows very little interest in it mm-hmm. but it's for the family because the family wants her to have a baby so yep. this is what you do. And there was another part of it. It's really, really that. And James, hmm. boy, oh boy, did I not expect this to uh, immediately slap bang to a 
and I, this is where the gratuity comes in, to an almost hardcore pregnant lesbian sex scene. Okay. And here is why as it's soon as not. I opened, As soon as I opened <laughs> my mouth and said it, I meant the relationship itself wasn't gratuitous. The fact that they were, you know, they but, had a lesbian affair was not gratuitous. The scene itself. But here's why I don't think it is. Because it is actually showing this true love between these two women. Because at no point did Octavia tell her, you're pregnant, fuck off. It was her actions that told her to fuck, got her to tell her to fuck off. Yes. Never once did she even question her body or mm. say, you're pregnant, we can't do this. Complete love and acceptance. And that is why I don't think it is gratuitous. Fair enough, fair enough. Because I... I was sitting there processing in real time again. I was like, was it gratuitous? Was it not? It could seem gratuitous, and you are absolutely correct. Because it is showing that. Because they have shown them being every sort of intimate. And that's why I said it's nearly hardcore, because obviously there's no penetration on screen. But it is also tastefully done Mm -hmm. and lovingly done. And artfully done. Exactly. And that's why I wasn't like... Shocked. I mean, again, I was shocked because like, wow, I didn't fucking expect to see this, but well done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think it's because I didn't notice that because I've noticed a million other little details like the interpersonal relationships. The acting in this was fucking stellar. Uh-huh. Because when the scenes between uh, Vela and Octavia, you're just like, when they're just standing there motionless, not saying anything. And Octavia drops the tear. Because she knows it's fucking over. Mm-hmm. She knows it's over. And just that single fucking tear, man. And they were looking at each other. When they looked at each other, you could see something there. You know, the fucking chemistry on screen was just absolutely amazing. And, and Valeria looking almost ashamed because she had left. Mm-hmm. In every scene. Like, she almost, like, she wants to make it up to Octavia by being here now. Which, again, is part of that inner struggle because, I mean, if we're getting to the main themes, it's pregnancy. All of these things that she thought that she wanted until it was very, very real, and it's not going to change now. Well, I also saw, um, have you ever dealt with postpartum depression? Um, I, I, I don't. No, it was never diagnosed. So I and I don't want to be that guy who goes, oh yeah, blah, 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 no, blah. because again, I, I'm not going to speak ill of my ex-wife, but I, I mean, I understand it. I'll say I have had to deal with it. Obviously, not my, not my exes, obviously, but because I come from a large family, and you help out no matter fucking what, it has happened. And it is horrifying to see to, to, to see a person you love, you care about, have a baby, just no effect. There's holding the baby going, what the fuck do I, why, just get this thing away from me. Get this fucking thing away from me. You know, you've fucking ruined my life, this, that, the other thing. And it, it's hormonal. It's horrific because it is deep. It is a deep-seated, deep-seated thing. And to see that, um, personified on screen. Every time she feels helpless and completely, that's when La Juicera comes, right? Hurts, hurts her nephew. Mm-hmm. Puts, this is the single most horrifying thing. When you saw the baby get pulled out of the baby monitor. Oh, man. By 
Yeah, the whole bunch of hands just inside of the crib. Fucking excellent shot. I am starting to get scared again. For a while, I was watching these movies going, I get it. Uh Uh-huh, it's a horror movie. Ha, 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 ha. This hit me in a spot that is worse than, like, any violence. Yeah. And when I'm like, not the fucking oven, not the fucking oven. I was like, what could be worse than the oven? She opens the goddamn refrigerator. I thought well, I was... First, she looks out the window no. to check the yard. Because she was... When... It was a callback to the earlier part of the movie when she was watching the movie, or the bad mom uh-huh. trying to get the kid pushed out the fucking window. Uh-huh. So when she looked over that the transom of the window, I'm just like... Oh, fucking no, 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 Please no, don't no, show no, me. No, I don't no, want to no, see no, a no. fucking dead baby on the ground. No. I don't. And, oh, they didn't, thank God. But the baby was in the fucking refrigerator... And when she realized that's the first time you saw a, even a moment of care on her face when her and the baby are on the same screen, which is beautiful because it's consistent, consistent, no caring, no caring. It's just like, yeah, the baby's there. And you, you'll see some shot. Even when the baby was born, you'll, you'll notice the shot. They shot it where her face is completely in the foreground. The baby and the doctor look like they're a whole room away. They're mm-hmm. granted only the length of the torso. And when they cut the cord, you see this tiny bit of relief on her face like take the fucking thing away from me yep and that there were a couple of the shots like that when you when they're showing pictures of she you know they go to home right she's always in the foreground husband and baby are always far away or seemingly far away they're in the same room but the way they shot it it looks like he's very very far away yeah, and she's facing away from them and it's amazing because if you think about like i i'd never heard like i heard of you know la jarona I've heard of Wiki, I've heard, you know, all that shit, right? I heard of La Loba, but never La Cuisera, right? But I decided to look into it. And there was a feminist author. I, can't, I, I apologize to anybody listening that cares, but I can't remember her name. But a very, very influential uh, Mexican author. And she brought that back to four. So everything I want to go look for, it comes directly to this person. So I don't know of it beforehand except for La Loba, which doesn't sound like any of the, the shit that I heard. But granted, I'm hearing it, you know, telephone, two generations past. So what I heard could have been nothing, you know? Right. Plus, I mean, the obvious, the dream interpretation, your bones are your foundation. When her foundation starts to crack, that is when she as a person also cracks. Because you know, the, the you read into the legend of La Huisera. Not really, no. La Huisera, um collects bones to make a wolf, and she sings it into life. <coughs> and the wolf tends to protect and whatever. You'll notice that most of the... Um, <coughs> sorry. <coughs> female spirits are vengeance spirits or protecting spirits, much like the role of motherhood. Right. Because, <coughs> I mean, I think they're called skinwalkers or something, but I know when I was growing up, we used, they used to talk about the, you know, some, the, the spirit that could take on your form and you know how like people are off, just seemingly off mm-hmm. and they got the thing, man, we got to fuck. No, you know, so it was kind of a, you know, this is like skinwalkers. Like, dude, I don't know that dog. That dog's not walking right. Fuck. Let's get out of here. You know, and it, it, granted it's like, it's like a superstition and growing up, I don't believe it. But when I was a kid, fucking, it was real as shit. You know, but I never heard anything about La Loba or La Huesera. See, the, my interpretation of this, because I didn't look up anything about Huesera to see if that, what exactly it was. My interpretation was that 
she effectively received the blessing of this goddess without being a believer, kind of along the lines of the medium. Mm-hmm. That's where immediately where my mind went. And as she starts to realize that perhaps this isn't the life that I wanted, but she's already accepted this miracle of a baby is when things start to crack and go wrong. Mm-hmm. And when she, I guess we'll jump right to the end. She effectively fi- realizes that she cannot be around. Mm-hmm. So she just leaves. Yep. And I love that they leave it up in the air. We don't know where she goes. Nope. We don't know where she does. Nope. We don't even know what, what happens with the baby. No. We don't know any of that. Don't need to. No. And That's and not the story they were telling. Not only that, but it couldn't have ended any other way. Because you need to not know. You, it needs to be left up in the air. Because if they give me any other answer, then I don't have the the joy of giving my own answer. Because this, what I love about this, and I've noticed this, I've been reading up a lot about like Latin American authors and, and writing styles. And um, although this movie was linear, it wasn't set up like a movie where you, you know, we're going to go get the MacGuffin and we're going to, you know, in, in Act 3, this thing's got to fall and rise. Yeah, it, the- Yes, uh, I don't mean to cut you off, mm. but once again, kind of like uh, the original Hell House, they leave, there's very little to no lore. Right. This is all you. You are seeing this. What do you think? And the other thing, too, is it's left up to, it's left up to me to decide whether there was a huesera or she was coming to this and that was, that was her way of interpreting her feelings. Plus, we have no idea how old she is because they say that she's her biological clock was ticking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. but that could have meant she was 20. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I, I don't know that much about uh, Mexican culture to say, you know, when they decide that you're an old hag. But she I couldn't don't... have been any older than like 28. Well, that's... Uh, yeah, isn't yeah, that I... around the time... Uh, it, sorry to cut you no, off sorry. again. But when, you know, major mental illnesses kind of break, isn't it usually around your mid-20s when it becomes very apparent? Yes, mid yes. Mid to late 20s? Because this could have... This, if you want to... There's so many themes in this movie that are equal in my eyes. Exactly. That it, it's tough to go, you know, wow, this is dense, dense, dense thematically. And I don't often... You know me. I don't often watch movies more than once. Mm-hmm. And I don't often sit through the whole goddamn thing. I sat through the whole goddamn thing twice. And I, I watched 40 minutes and then an hour. Very different for me because it is so dense. And um, I, I'd like to actually watch the movie with you so I could point shit out so you, know, you could understand it a little bit more. What I really like, too, is the language. I Finally, I didn't need... About halfway through the movie... I turned off the uh, closed caption to see if I could get it because it's the slang I know. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's the slang I understand. It's the cadence I recognize. It's the Spanish that I'm used to hearing. And I got about a half of it. And I had to go back and put the closed caption back on. But I was just like, oh, finally, finally, finally. Because a lot of times we get the Spanish one from Spain and I'm fucking going yeah, I've never heard it's, it put that way. It's similar, but not what I'm used to. It's like hearing people speak very, very proper, you know, <laughs> English, English from England. Well, rather. S- spell color right, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because there wasn't one. We watch a Spanish film and nobody said pinche. And I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> and the, the names that were calling each other, I'm like, oh, oh, damn. <laughs> but yeah, there, there's so many themes in this movie that I... I 
this is on my list of my short list of movies that I'm going, I'll watch this probably as many times as I'll watch Dodgeball, which is a rarity for a drama. There's only like, unless it's a big war drama, like the great escape, which I'll always watch or bridge over river Kwai. This is, this is a drama that I w- if it comes on anytime I'm watching it, I'm probably going to watch it again next month. Is it there? There are a few things that kind of confuse me in here though is they never really laid out besides, you know, her past life and why she is back with her family and not living the punk rock lifestyle with her girlfriend. But she does genuinely seem really into this life. They give us the shot after she does whatever, where she's walking by the playground and, you know, happily watching children because she's overcome with joy about this baby. And that's when I don't really understand when or how this shift Oh, you happens. didn't see the cracks in the armor when she was looking at the kids. Like, she's smiling, and then she kind of did just a, like a, a small, there was a real small, like, fuck, what am I doing? You know, almost like a side, like she kind of slumped just a tiny bit. You could see the, oh, is it? Okay, see, I didn't catch that. And that's what, like, it was that one shot where, just that one, where like, okay, well, this inclusion of this, where she's not with anyone, she's mm-hmm. not pretending in front of anybody, but she's walking by these children with, you know, happy thoughts, or so it seems anyway. And that that is the one shot where it seems like, well, that doesn't fit narratively because if she's having all of these doubts, mm. which are uh, culminating in her seeing the Bone Woman, mm-hmm. then what the fuck is... I again they don't there's no like inciting incident besides just running into Octavia. Well there's um we gotta take a look at there's a built into the culture there's a certain amount of stoicism. I've assumed this role. All right, I'm the dad. I'm gonna do this stuff. Yeah. Has anybody stopped looking? Fuck. I'm the dad. God damn it. <laughs> you know? But the front has always got even subconsciously you're you're talking to yourself. I got this. I got, this. I can fucking do this. I, I'm good with kids. You know, after she almost killed the other one, but <laughs> I could do this. I got, fuck. No, I can't do this. No, I can do this. And I saw that, but I was looking for it. You know what I mean? Cause I'm looking for those little ones because I'm used to, especially in my house growing up, you got to fucking study a face because nobody's showing nothing. Nobody's showing nothing. And, and as a man, I can, God forbid you should ever fucking cry. That's why I know a lot of guys I grew up with are violent as fuck. Because I will turn... It's okay for... It's okay to... You know, for... Uh, you can still be a macho dude if you're angry. Not if you fucking cry. You cry, it better be a goddamn funeral. One of your kids better be gone. Or you better be about 15 beers in and your wife left you. But those are the only... Then you can cry all you want. The only times... So I know a lot of people turn sadness and anxiety into anger and violence. But as far as looking at it from a female perspective, I never really stopped and thought about the roles that women play because I got out. I, I, I got out. I, I stopped kind of living in that culture around the time I would be dating. So I don't have, I don't have that kind of a piece to look at. You know, right. I never saw it from that aspect, except from the family. And, but that's an insider's view as opposed to, you know, actually dating somebody, you know, it's hard to, it's hard concept to put into words, but, you know, I don't really have that piece of the puzzle. 
so it was interesting for me. So I'm watching everything that they do to see, you know, how women deal with that type of thing in the culture. You know, you, you get with your friends, you, you know, I was watching everything she did, but she didn't even have that because her real friends were at the punk rock club. She noticed she didn't have anybody outside of her family. No. And that's not unusual, especially if you have a big family. But, you know, it shows the, the solitude and the internal struggle she's having at all times. That's why I started looking for like the, those little expressions like that, the slip in the arm or the, the momentarily lapse of the happy mask. And, and it happened, or she'd be very wistful and she'd think, you'd, she'd think about something in the past and you'd see the small happiness too. It's just this little tiny expressions which speaks to the actress. Oh, absolutely. She's absolutely phenomenal in this film. And I, I love the fact that I, had, I didn't realize that this, a woman directed this until after the movie. And I, I only remark upon it because I was like, wow, this is, this is really... I felt like I was getting insights to what I don't usually see in films. And now, now I realize why. Because I'm seeing it through a different, different set of eyes. Because I was raised in this culture one way. and not used to seeing it from another side. So I was so fascinated that it really, really, really pulled me in. So I'd say my only, I guess I've levied other ones, but my two last small complaints. One, it's a bit boring in spots. Yeah. Sorry, no, but it, it is. is. It, it, that's not to say that it's not allowed to be because it is setting up character. It's deepening everything. It's giving us more insights into their life. However, there are times when, all right, come on, we need to, Pick up the pace. Something needs to happen. Yeah. But then a lot of shit will happen all mm-hmm. at once. And then it'll kind of slump back into a little bit of a dip. And so that little bit of inconsistency, that's just one thing that kind of bothered me is there would be long stretches where I would be thinking, man, there needs to be some horror in my horror movie, please. Well, I think the reason that didn't strike me even in the slightest is because there was, I was looking at so much. I was looking at, you know, it's like uh, if you don't watch football and just a bunch of fat guys smacking each other. Right. But I got a buddy of mine who was a coach for a football team. He'd say, okay, now this guy, he's going to run over here because the ball's going to come this way. And I'm fucking fascinated. <laughs> you know, that's what this, you know, so this movie is kind of like the football for me. You know, you're watching it. You don't get half of it. The stuff you get, you fucking get. So my biggest complaint, mm-hmm. and I, I think we've kind of shored up a little bit of it. But throughout all the themes that they are bringing up, mm-hmm. with not really having a resolution, it's unclear to me what they're trying to say about any of this. It feels like a lot of bringing up an issue, but not having any real clear voice as to uh, pros, cons, positive, any of that. It doesn't. I don't think the comment on what they're trying to present is clear. To me. No, it's not supposed to be. I, I understand that. But again, with the with her leaving at the very end, like I saw that and went, well, I, I don't know exactly what they're trying to say. I mean, it's not a bad thing that if she knows that she is a danger to her baby or others around her that, yeah, you should probably leave. That's not a bad message. Mm-hmm but I don't understand what they're trying to say since they alluded to not once did they allude to she's going to a facility to get help. She's going to here to be isolated. If the place that you're from is killing you, 
and hurting you and you're hurting everybody. You need to leave. That's all it needs to say. No, I understand. I understand yeah. that, but it just seems a little broad. Like they didn't really come down on the issue whatsoever. It seems mm. like presenting it without presenting your ideas on it. Well, which- see, I see a, I see more of a layered effect because all of these things run in tandem. All of the issues that we're looking at, um, bisexuality, difference of being a punk rocker, the difference of running, being away from home, but the familial duty. All of these things are completely run through the entire movie like threads. And at no time are they ever let up. So I'm following all of these. So they're saying, you know, to me, the difference in society is bad. You need to find your place in it. And if you can't find your place in it, make your place in it someplace else. Not just from one thing, not just from one theme, from all of the themes. It's not saying being different. They're not making a judgment call on being different. They're not making a judgment call on family life. What do you feel about it while you're watching the movie? Um, again, it well, was... Uh, that's what this is about. It's about what you feel. It's about your story that you're telling while you're watching their story. Again, remember I tell you it's very spiritual, very nonlinear. They leave spaces for you to put your story in, to to um, inject yourself into the movie. How do you feel about that? Have you been in a situation similar? How do you feel about that situation? And it's more of an evocative movie than a, I'm telling you definite what. And it's, a, again, not specifically Mexican. I don't have en- enough, you know, enough background to tell anybody that. But I do know that, in, at least in Latin American books, if you're looking for, you know, the... The themes to be spelled is never spelled out for you. It's all about your feelings with the story. How do you feel about it? Where are you at? So that's the experience in and of itself. In addition to watching the movie, you can see it visually. You're supposed to put yourself in there. You're supposed to think about how, if I was in that situation, do I know somebody in that situation? And that's, that draws me more into those types of stories, that kind of thing, because it leaves it open for me. It's like um, in jazz music where they leave the spaces for you to do a solo. The solo is my brain going, oh, you know, and, and I love that, but I'm used to that experience. I've had it before. And if you're not l- used to that, I'm, I could see how it would leave you kind of high and dry. Like, oh, what, what, what is this about? Well, it's about all of it. Well, no. And like I said, if you absolutely know that you are a danger to your newborn baby and others around you, yeah, you should probably go. But it, again, you're not saying anything about it. She's just leaving. Yeah, but. Take, take a look at if you live in a place where you're like, take a look at how unhappy she was emotionally and the emotional back and forth and how she didn't fit. You need to leave if you don't fit. You need to leave if your family don't like you because you're bisexual. You need to leave because this fucking place is going to kill you or you're going to kill somebody else from any of these things being that different. But she was all of the difference. So... In larger letters, you need to get the fuck out, but it's not just about the pregnancy. Right. It's about being different at all in a, in a homogenous society. It's about finding your way. It's about deciding that, yes, your family is important. You grew up with them and things, but you're never, ever going to do anything or succeed or even grow as a human being staying here. 
And that is one thing, I guess, if I can get personal, that is the one connection that I made to that because, once again, I, once upon a time, I was married and to a very nice, normal person. We watched Big Bang Theory together, mm-hmm. and then I drank every night mm-hmm. because I effectively was pretending. You are not a Big Bang Theory every night kind of guy. No, I sure am not. And after a while, again, that does drain on you. And I turned to drinking, obviously, Mm -hmm. as I alluded to. But she didn't have that. She had, I I don't know, again, if it was supposed to be portrayed as a mental illness or a haunting of some sort. See, again, this was left for you to decide. Because if you decided while watching it that that was a haunting and the Huesera was real... Then that adds even more depth because then you think about why is she manifesting in her? You'd mentioned it earlier. You know, is, is she manifesting? Because that one shot where she's looking in the mirror and then you see the huesera, then you don't and the door's open. Fucking simple shot. And it was so effective to me. I was just like, God damn. But if we are to, if, if in watching this movie, because I, de- I decided that it was not, there was no real Huesera. It was her. It was, you know, that was inside her head. I, I made that decision, but had I decided to go with the Huesera, there's a whole set of things that I can mix and match and play with and rewatch the like, movie. Like the auntie kind of no, maybe knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe she caused it because she knows she needs to leave. And nobody died. Yeah. But, you know, so... It, it can also be a story of the elders going, hey, you know, we, we, you got to fuck up to figure it out, but you, you should go. You know, so there's all of these themes, and, and I love the way... <laughs> you, you set a crib on fire during a dinner party. <laughs> yeah. And so, and all of these things, and that, that's why I, I love this movie. I love this fucking movie. You have no idea how much I love this fucking movie. And I will talk about it anytime. Anytime you want to sit down and talk about this movie, I will watch it that day and re-talk about it. Because like I said, I, I just feel like the second half is far better than the first half because the first half there are long stretches where, for me, yeah, it, where I don't recognize that. And again, it just seems like kind of people yelling at each other sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were long sweeping passages where I just kind of tuned out until, oh, there's a spooky now. No, I, a woman I get it. fell off a balcony. <laughs> I think that what prepped me for this is um, back in the days, my, uh, my ex is a theater major, and every year we had an Oscar party, which I enjoyed. Enjoyed the fuck out of the party, don't get me wrong. But I had to sit there and watch all the Oscar movies. I'm not a drama guy. Fucking my life is negative enough. I don't need to, need to see people be sat on fucking screen, fuck a bunch of that, and kick their face in or something. I don't get to do that anymore. Come on. You right. know? But I would, I would sit through and then I would learn, I learned to watch character development, interpersonal relationships, even in like there, some of the movies we watched were set in a milieu that I had absolutely, fucking people are like this. I had to ask, it's like, do people really are, is that a, is that a true, because I never, and she's like, yeah, yeah. So I, I learned other cultures watching the movie, that kind of stuff. But it set me up for this movie. You know, it, the, I love the, I love the inter, I love the way they talk to each other. I loved the, the way they um, messed with the family mores. You know, dad was, would have been more upset 
you could feel that when they were talking, Deb would have been more upset. Kind of knew that she had a girlfriend, but if it was a son, been the end of the fucking world, uh, she'll still get married. You know, it was that little shit like that you wouldn't see because yep. you don't it, speak it Spanish. It flew right over my head. But all this stuff, it was killing me because I, I'm like, oh, fuck, this is so real. This is so real. Oh, that's kind of half-assed. But that's, oh, my God, that's my uncle. You know, or, you know, that that's Mousy from down the street. I know her. You know, it's all these things. And I was got so caught up in, in the character development. when I, I can't say enough about the acting. And uh, because... In order to portray something that real, you have to act 10 times harder to give that, that genuineness because you're in an artificial environment and everybody, except, you know, there are a few exceptions, but everybody else just smacked true. Like, I know that person. And I, I love every time some shit would kick off, Raul would have to, you know, make excuses for why his wife has gone insane in public. Mm-hmm. And then secretly behind closed doors, like, listen, <laughs> I can't leave you alone with this baby, mm-hmm. but I have to go and no one else can get here. Can you handle it? For real? For I will stay. <laughs> Just tell me right now, you're going to fucking ax the baby while I'm gone. Uh-huh. If you tell me that you're going to be okay, you'll be okay, but you better fucking promise me. <laughs> what are we saying right here? Uh-huh. And reaction faces. His reaction faces were, mm. Because if you see him again, they always put her foreground, him background. They didn't even have to close up on his face. You could just see the disapproval the minute she walked out of the room. His, his whole effect dropped. Mm-hmm. And he had that pain look like trying not to make the face because he's trying to put that air on for the people there. But he's like, oh, God. And remember when I told you, it's like my kids represent my family. So he's, does your spouse. <laughs> mm, and he's like, uh, must be the pregnancy hormones or something. Uh-huh. Fuck. What are you doing? <laughs> Come on. We're in public. I don't know how many times, I didn't even think about it till just now, how many times I was told when I was young, knock it off, put you in a fucking car, better knock it the fuck off. I'm, I'm six years old. Doesn't matter. You don't act like a fucking knucklehead in public. I will put you in a hospital. Okay. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? So, and it, that, it was so reinforced. Again, that's why I love this movie, because it hits me so, like, they they hit it so on the nose. And I don't, I don't mean, like, a, in a cliche kind of way, but just little bits and pieces that just spoke of home, spoke of everything. I was just like, God damn it. Mm-hmm. And I I can't say enough to, and I know I've said this before, but these are some of my favorite episodes that we do when we get into foreign films. Mm -hmm. And I know I sound like the most pretentious twat in the world, but I really, really love them because there is such a difference in the way that they tell stories and just filmmaking in general. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's influences from all around the world, but there's a specific way that this is shot. Oh God, It's so fucking good. And again, the you talk about the sound design, but the lack of a musical score. And I had not really thought about it in a bunch of movies, except that we had one that was scored beautifully recently. Or, you know, the sound design and, and the music was beautiful. They had stings, but you didn't notice it, you know, that kind yeah. of thing. 
the first time I watched it, I didn't notice it. And the second time I'm like, I'm waiting for the incidental music because I know what's going to happen in a couple seconds. So I'm waiting for the thing and it doesn't happen. I'm like, oh, they got me because I'm uncomfortable because of this. I, they didn't need the music. I say, and just when it kind of, like I said, it does lag in a few spots, but as soon as it starts to lull, all of a sudden here's bitchin' punk rock again with like teenage girls at a gym just whooping ass. Mm-hmm. Well, you're like, God damn, this movie's fucking weird. <laughs> well, you got to understand too. Um, again, I the last time I was in Mexico has got to be eighties five, eighty six. <coughs> but I remember seeing like Rucas all like goth up. Right about 89 or 88, 89, I guess Morrissey did a, a big show in, in Mexico. Just came out there, didn't, you know, just, it was a big show. So everybody's like, fuck, they all got goth and shit. So if you take a look at like the old Ruka looks and all the old Cholas looks, it lends itself to goth. So there's that whole thing. And I remember my favorite punk band, they went metal, but it was called Six Beer. And it's a Mex- straight up Mexican punk band. I mean, raw garage band, you know what I'm talking yeah. about? Fucking loved them. But that was that was way back in the day. But I, I forgot there was a scene. Because when I think of Mexico, I think of, you know, everybody I know, they rancheros, man. Nobody's from the city. Everybody I know from Mexico is from fucking mountains and shit. Like my family are hillbillies, you know, right. from up in the mountains and shit. So, you know, it, I forgot that that whole scene existed. And I'm like, oh, I remember. Because I'm usually the only Mexican at the club. But I remember seeing a couple others... I spoke Spanish real quick to let him know, hey, mira, ven acá. Well, the show's fucking killer, right? And You know. Man, and it does one of the things that I absolutely love, which is anytime there's like a live band scene and it's just fucking insane. Mm-hmm. Love it. Oh, I was yeah. watching uh, Hellraiser 3 the other day. And oh, it's got a It's got a real good club scene in it. Like, fuck yeah, give it to me. Mm-hmm. I miss. I miss. When Sarah miss Connor clubs. walks into Tech Noir, oh hell in Terminator, yeah. and you're just like, "Fuck yeah!" There, there was Give a, me that club scene. <laughs> there was a time where all the movies in like late '90s and 2000s had to have a DJ scene. Hell yeah! There, I, I'm thinking or the, in Rollerball, where all of a sudden it's just Slipknot playing. Hell like, yeah, for no fuck? reason. I fucking love all the Rollerballs. Why is this happening? <laughs> uh, the second Rollerball was horrifically bad, and I love it. I love it. Unironically, there's fucking more. It's kind of how I feel about. I think it's Death Wish three. Oh yeah, so is that the one where um with the punk rockers? Right, but isn't that the one Jeff Goldblum's one of the bad guys? Or is I that don't. is that two? Fuck, I don't remember. He's dressed like he had a fucking headband, like an Indian, and a, <laughs> and a brown leather vest. And I'm like, holy shit, that's Jeff Goldblum without a shirt again. Jeff Goldblum's the best. He is, but he's like, he's got a switchblade and he's menacing. He's doing no, that. No, he's not. No, I know, but he's doing that weird fucking Jeff Goldblum hand thing, and he's talking, and you're like, "Oh, that's cute." You're not. No, just put the knife away. That's cute. You're no. I would absolutely run away from Jeff Goldblum with a switchblade. Like this guy's a fucking maniac, and he probably probably will stab you. Look at him. I couldn't take him seriously. Because he's just tactily like touching your shoulder <laughs> while holding a knife to your gut. <laughs> I um think that uh, perhaps um that maybe uh this would be a good time to stab you. And I think maybe you should probably give me all of your money. What do you what do you think? <laughs> he's just got an open chested shirt on. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Just show me a little more of your chest. I'll just give you all my money. <laughs> 
Oh, oh man. James, any final thoughts and or would you recommend Husera, the Bone Woman? Well, God, I hated this fucking film and I never want to see it again. Yeah, it's a real pile of garbage. A, uh, just absolute shit. Don't watch. Fuck, I love this movie. Yeah, it it's pretty good. <laughs> I, uh, I, I I didn't connect with it as much as you would, and I would still say if you want to see a, a better film, just watch Rosemary's Baby. Mm-hmm. But overall, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it at all. I would, I would say, say I like it enough. I would say that even without knowing Mexican culture, depending on your age, obviously, you know, I, I've seen Rosemary's Baby, but I never, I didn't think of this as a pregnancy film, so it didn't even make the correlation. To me, it's its own thing, but I could see how you would see that. But I would still, I would recommend this movie because just, just sheer acting. Oh, yes. It's pretty goddamn good. If you want to see a beautifully shot film, a beautifully acted film, even if you don't understand and, three and quarters of it. a film that, it, it's a movie that if you don't want to see the horror as soon as you see a blurry face, just turn your head for like 30 seconds. Because the horror elements in and of themselves are pretty few and far between. Well, the ones that really fucked with me is when she was having the nightmare that her ankle broke. Uh-huh. And they showed the ankle break. Yeah, that's pretty gross. That hurt, just looking at. Or when she was in the kitchen, now she was cracking her knuckles through the whole film. When she took it into the kitchen, she just bent that finger all the way back. A Voltron of just bone-breaking zombies. <laughs> mm, but I'm just looking at... Oh, I'm like, fuck, because I, I broke that finger. And I'm like, ah! And, and then all of a sudden it's back, and, she's, and you're like, oh my God, can you imagine if... Let's say I was having hallucinations, but the hallucinations included pain. And I couldn't tell if I really broke my finger or, or not. And then next, you can feel that fucking pain even Whoa. if you... The, so, to me, the... The horror in this movie was more of a psychological violence performed oh, absolutely. generationally. It was more of a, the, uh, the scares were more deep-seated as opposed to, I, I love, now I love me a good gore scene. And I, right. I don't think there are any deaths in this. Are there there are none. There are none. You, you, they're, you know, there are nothing even hinted at. No funerals, no nothing. But again, that, that's what I love about this movie because they, uh, they allow me a lot of space to put my movie in there. And I do that anyway because I like that, but th- it's built into the filmmaking in certain ones. This is more experimental than traditional. I've seen a bunch of Mexican films. This is more experimental. This is, more, this is close to an art house without being an art house. And it, it's just, it's, it's wonderful. And if, you, if you're familiar with the culture or you speak the language, fucking A, see this goddamn movie. If you if you're not see this movie anyway because I enjoyed the shit out of it. Yeah, I, I I just wish a little little more happened here and there. Yeah. But either way, James. Yes. Where can people find us on the old intronet? They can find us at horrorvomitpodcast at gmail dot com. They can find us on the Facebook, on the Instagrams, and uh, wherever fine podcasts are sold. And diddly doddly. If you want to go to Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review or five-word written review. We would really appreciate it. I think Spot, Spotify's got its own little... <laughs> You're going to uh, say Spodcast. Spots, spot, spot of somethings. Mm-hmm. The, the Spotiffies. Yes, Spotiffies. I think they have a rating system as well. So if you give us five stars there as well, it would really help us out. Something you can do to help us out for free. Why are you scowling at me, I'm you thinking. son of a bitch? This is how dare you. That's this is scowl. how we're going to end this. Yeah. We have a nice discussion. I choose a movie for you 
and this is how you repay me by scowling at me at the end of the episode. Yes, and when and I, I have to pee already, and I'll do it again too. You're a real piece of human garbage. I am. I much He's like Jeff. Monster. Yeah. Fuck you, Jeff. Yeah, you piece of shit. Bye, everybody. Bye.